you're listening to Connection Church's podcast. Good morning, Connection Church. How are we? All right, man. Such an awesome crowd tonight. I'm so excited to be here with you. In fact, I was so excited. I think I walked out about a minute early. So uh, I've just been so excited to preach the word with you today. Um, My name's Buck Benton. I'm the uh, campus pastor at our Dublin plant. uh, And I'm so excited about that. I know we announced last week we'll be planting that campus in January, January 8th. And I believe if I was any more excited, I'd never get there, okay? Um, I'm so ready to rock, ready to go. And just to catch you up on what's going on over there, um, we've actually had eight people take their next step to be baptized. And last week we had our first interest meeting at the theater. We had over 130 adults and we had one young man come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Let's go ahead and celebrate that. And one thing I'd like to say is that's all possible because of you, your prayers, your faith, your generosity, and your belief that God wants to do incredible things through this church. So you are the reason we can go take the gospel forward in Dublin and those people can come to know Christ. So I just wanna say from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Thank you for your heart and uh, just what God's doing in this church. Um, It's incredible to me. And I know I, I don't get to get over here as much as I'd like, but you guys are in my hearts, my thoughts, and my prayers. And I'm just very, very thankful that this is where God has led me to serve, okay? Also, I'd like to say, I don't know if y'all know Josh, the guy leading worship. He's also a Dublin guy. So we've got a little Dublin flair on the service today. I guarantee you he's the only contemporary worship leader in America with a winch on the front of his vehicle. He is just cool, man. He, he and I have just really, um, I've just really enjoyed getting to know him and his wife, Lindsay. They, uh, they mean a good deal to me and he's just an awesome guy and he loves Jesus and he is absolutely incredible with that PSC bow. And uh, I, I keep, he keeps showing me the pictures every week and he's got a big one coming, okay? So he's just really cool. But, uh, but anyway, today we're gonna be finishing up our series, Dark Corners. Uh, I, I'm kind of glad because that promo has been giving me bad dreams for all six weeks. And, uh, but today will be the last week. And today, if you're taking notes, we're gonna be talking about the dark corner of complacency in our lives, okay? We're gonna be talking about complacency and I'm so excited to preach it because this topic, um, it, it really hits home for me. And it's really, a, really interwoven in my relationship with God and kind of what God's done in my life. So today I kind of wanna center the room, if you will, and put us all kind of in the same basket, okay? If I had to guess, we've got three groups of people in this room. The first group is this, you, you, are, you love Jesus in, in such an incredible way that you are heart and soul with the mission of God. You, you serve faithfully, you, you serve in connect group. You, you just love Jesus. You read your Bible and you're just heart and soul with what God's doing here, okay? I would put that in category one. Category two, you might be where I've been before in my life is you, you love the service Sunday. You love uh, coming. The music's incredible and the, the messages are great. And so you're kind of in that in-between of, okay, how does this fit into my life during the week, right? Kind of in that, that, that camp. And then the third camp, this is the one that I love because I've been in this camp before. Uh, how many of you remember the Blue Building? Any originals? I like to call them Blue Building. Ori- oh, there you are. Yeah. So I was a Blue Building original. I was, a, I was one of those idiot 21-year-olds that kept showing up. And I would say the third camp is this. You're the guy that's here because all the good-looking chicks come to connection, right? That's the third camp. You college guys, you're not fooling me, Okay. I can remember them worshiping and kind of like looking over my shoulder, kind of checking out the talent. You know what I mean? Um, I've been there, all right? So I'd say the third camp is you're, you're just kind of figuring this thing out, okay? And I want to say to all three camps, 
I'm so excited that you're here and I'm excited to share the word of God with you today. But I wanna ask you three questions. Is this what puts all those three camps in the one category, okay? You guys know how many times we get to do life? You can talk, it's church. How many times? Once, right? We get one time to do this thing, okay? So this is something all of us are doing. Ask yourself this question about the one life God's given you. One, what are you investing your life in, okay? What are you investing your life in? If you have a hard time kind of answering that question, where's your time, money, energy, thoughts, and affections? What are you investing that in, okay? That's where your heart is. So what are you investing this one life in? Second question I ask is this, who or what is getting the return on your investment, okay? Who's getting the return on your investment? Everything you do is for something in return. Every single investment we make is for something in return. And then the last question is this, what will you leave behind when you're gone? And who will people say you were? Would y'all pray with me before we read the word of God? Father, I love you so much. I thank you for this day. Lord, you are so good. Thank you for um, worship today, God. It's just, uh, I I just love being in your house and and, and serving you, God. And just um, just thank you for your presence. Lord, I pray that right now that I would exit the stage, God, and your presence would come and you would just speak through me, Lord. Help me to be an empty vessel. And God, help me to um, to just speak your word uh, accurately. And God, just help me to say what you want me to say. God, I pray over each and every heart in this room. I pray that we would just be open to hear the word of God. And Lord, you would meet us in an all new way, no matter where we're at and where we've been, God, that you would just meet us exactly where you're at and change us. Help us to not leave here the same as we walked in, God. You've got incredible things for us to do. God, I pray we wouldn't waste this life, but we would invest it with incredible purpose and intentionality. God, I love you and I thank you for this day. For it's in your name we pray, amen. All right, so go ahead and open up your Bibles to Matthew 25. We'll kind of camp out here for the rest of the day, but Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. And so I wanna provide you with a little context before we get started. Is that Matthew talks about the life and the ministry of Jesus, okay? So we're getting toward the end of the book and all of a sudden in chapter 24, Jesus starts talking about eternity, okay? He starts talking about the end times and kind of what it'll look like when he returns to get his bride, which is the church, okay? So, In chapter 24, he kind of gives the facts of what's going to happen, okay? So if you're interested in that and kind of the signs of the end times, chapter 24 is where you wanna be. Then in chapter 25, where we're at, he begins to teach these things in parables, all right? And some of you might be like, well, why is he doing that? I don't know if you knew it, but Jesus didn't raise up and teach Harvard graduates. Y'all know that, right? He went and found the goofy, uh, probably the scruffy looking, probably threw some curse words out there, the, the, the fishermen. The lowest of low is who he entrusted his gospel with. And so I believe that when he teaches, he teaches in parables to teach them on their level. And I appreciate this so much. I don't know if y'all know, I took one math class and I made a C. Like I am the 2.8 GPA, I'm that guy, all right? That's me. So I I appreciate parables. Um, And so today he's gonna be teaching in parables about uh, the end times and really talking about what eternity is gonna look like, okay? And before I get started, I want you guys to take this. This is the one takeaway for the day. I believe that eternal thinking creates urgent living. Hear that. Eternal thinking creates urgent living. Let's read the word of God. Verse 14, this is called the parable of the talents. It says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one, he gave five talents of money And let me tell you, think about talents, not as like gifts, 
but talents is a, a sum of money, a weight, a heavy weight of money. It says to another, he gave, it says to one, he gave five talents of money. To another, he gave two talents and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on the journey, on his journey. The man who had received five talents, hear this, went once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two talents gained two more. But the man, had received, the man who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five talents brought the other five. Here, listen to what he says to his master. He says, master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. The master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Verse 22, the man with two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one talent came, hear this. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and scattering and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For everyone who has, who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay, so we've got to learn here. Remember, Jesus is teaching in parables about eternity, all right? And so the man on the journey is Christ Jesus, okay? And what essentially happens is he entrusts uh, a, a great investment into these three servants. Think about it like this. Uh, I was reading up on it and one talent equals about 30,000 denarii. In other words, that's about a year's wages in that time. So imagine someone walking up to you, okay? And let's just say it's a, about $250,000 and they say, all right, here's $250,000. Take this that I've entrusted to you and go with it, Okay. That's essentially what, what he's saying is I've entrusted uh, this great thing for you to do, this great amount of prosperity and awesomeness for you to do. And then he leaves it with three different servants, okay? So what I wanna see before we begin teaching this is how the two servants responded. So the guy with five talents, what did he do when the, the master gave him the investment? What did he do? It says he went at once. He went with great urgency, hear that. Once he understood the investment, once he understood the master and his investment, he went at once with great urgency. And then also is this, the, the, the way we can tell with the guys that really got it, what was their response when the master came back? Look, master, look, look what I've done. Master, look, I've taken these five talents. I've taken this $150,000 and I've invested it in Apple and I've multiplied it, right? Look what I've done, master. Thankfully, I'm glad you're back. Look what I've done. Look what you gave me to do, God. I believe I did what you wanted me to, master. They were excited at his return. That lets me know this, and if you're, if you're a note taker, I don't know if you are, that I believe they knew their master. They truly knew their master 
but they also knew their investment. Now, let's look at the wicked servant. And one thing I would, I would think about is this. The wicked servant was not punished for what he did. The wicked servant was punished for what he didn't do, right? He did nothing with the investment. So hear this. I think so many times we, we come in and we believe our relationship with God is all about how well we do with sin, how well we juggle sin. But the reality is our relationship with God is all about obedience and what he's called us to do. Understanding the investment and understanding the master that gave it to us. And hear this, and hear his response, okay? When the master came back, he, he says, God, I, I, I was scared. I, I didn't want to risk it. Basically, he makes an excuse and says, God, I, I, I kind of, he kind of blames God, to be honest. The wicked servant, it says this. Verse 25, so I was afraid and went out and hid your talent into the ground. See here is what belongs to you. He says, I, I just didn't, I didn't do anything with it. And so I, I want you to look at the responses and kind of see that. And then I've got three questions for you today. And I believe um, our purpose can really be sewed up and understand if you can answer these three questions, I can't wait to see what God's gonna do when we walk out of here. I'm so excited. So question number one is this, do you know the investor in your life? Do you know the investor, the person that is invested? So we're gonna take this parable and put it in real time and see what God wants to share with us uh, through this, okay? The investor in your life is God our Father. Genesis 1-1 says this. It says that God created the heavens and the earth. That means he created everything you see, right? He is God our Father, God the creator, all right? In the parable, he's the master, the one that is above all things, the one that has uh, created all things you see. That's God our Father. Psalm 139 says this. I want you to think about it, okay? Remember, I want you to think just about the creator, our Father, the master of this story. When Psalm 139 says he knit you together in the womb. That means he literally put the pieces together in your life. Like he, uh, he formed you, he shaped you, he knew you at conception, he knew who you would be, he knew the gifts he would give you. That's the father that uh, is a reality, okay? And then I'm gonna put this up. This is Ephesians 2.10. It says this. So in understanding your father, understanding the creator, this is what he has for us to do. It says, for we are God's handiwork, created, hear this, in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do, Ephesians 2.10. That means that our father created us, look, to know Jesus. It says he created us in, in Jesus Christ to do what? To do, not to have, but to do good works, okay? He created us for a purpose. Understand that this, that don't you think it makes good sense, think about this, that the guy that created you knows what's best for you? Amen? So this is the creator of the story. So number one is this, I want you to ponder the idea of the investment. Have you the idea of the investor. Have you thought about the God that's created you? Second question is this. Do you know the investment he's made in your life? Okay. Do you know the investment he's made in your life? I don't know if you know this, but God has gifted us in very, very different ways. All right. I'm going to tell you a little bit about me. I'm a very simple person. Kind of what you see is what you get. All right. I'm the 2.7 uh, kind of student. I'm, I'm, you know, I'll, I'll hang in there and I'll make my B and I'll get out and I'm going to go uh, hop on a four wheeler and mud bog or something. Right. We were the kids growing up that our dads gave us the, the goofy mohawk in the summer. That was me. All right. Uh, I was really into sports. I love to be around people. I'm just kind of a conversationalist. 
And um, that's just kind of me. I, I wouldn't call myself a deep intellectual, but rather I, I'm just kind of a simple dude, okay? I kind of just do things, if you will. In fact, me and my brother in the summer, just to give you a little more background, uh, when, when we would be playing in the summer and we, we were big athletics and dad would say, all right, boys, we gotta go out to eat tonight. We do what every good American does. We go dive in the pool, take about two laps, slap on our clothes for the evening and we go, Okay. That's who I am. That's just how God kind of made me. He kind of shaped me. Now I want to tell you about my wife, Carly. I think she sang here once. But Carly, she came out of the womb acting 36. All right? She, she's just that. She's like my mom and wife all in one. It's great. It's awesome. I, I'm telling you, I would be nowhere without her. But I remember sitting down, and this is where it really became real to me, that God just makes people differently and, and really uh, gives us different abilities. I remember sitting down at Zaxby's early on, we were dating, and I saw a picture of Herschel Walker, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to try this out. I said, baby, what a, Herschel Walker, wasn't he, what was he good at? Wasn't he a good athlete? She's like, yeah, wasn't he that awesome baseball player? And that's when I knew, I'm like, man, this is not, this is, this is going to take an act of God. In fact, when we, at our, at our, uh, at our marriage, the pastor stood up and he said, y'all, this is the first thing he said, this is no lie. He said, y'all, I ain't never seen two people more different than these two. That's how he let off the, the marriage. But anyway, um, that being said, I want you to think about that. And I want you to think about kind of the person you are, the things you're gifted at, the things you do well, the things you don't do well. Understand that God designs you exactly how you are with a purpose, not to change, not to change your talents and gifts, but rather to use your talents and gifts for his glory, all right? So when we talk about the investment, think about how he's invested in you. And God's not looking for, hear this, God's not looking for our talent. Understand that. What he gives them is weight, not necessary ability. God's given you the ability. He's not looking to get your best ability. He's, he's looking to get your obedience, all right? He's not looking for our talent. He's looking for obedience. First Samuel 15 backs this up. It says, it is better to obey than to sacrifice. It's better to obey than to sacrifice. See, living for God is not about sin management. It's about obedience. See, I had it wrong for so long. When I grew up, I thought those guys that were beasting it in their relationship with God were those that were just self, that were righteous. Like I saw righteous people and thought, man, I could never be that. Like them dudes just wake up and they just, they just wake up in excellence, right? They wake up in righteousness. And so what did I try and do as a child and as a young man? I tried to uh, gain favor with God by killing sin in my life and seeing if I could just crush the sin in my life and live a self-righteous life. And I'm like, man, I'm a, folks would have told you in high school, that's a good dude right there. That guy gets it. But the reality was, is that God doesn't care about our sacrifice or how hard we're working or how hard we're doing things on our own. God's given us specific things to do. He wants our obedience, amen? And so here today, if you're like me, if you're here in chains and you're thinking, I, I don't know if I can do this. I, I, I don't know if I could ever be that good Christian person they talk about on stage. I got news for you, you can't. You can't be perfect. See, God wants to change your heart. He wants to give you the best news the world's ever seen. And that's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And finally, like I said, when I realized that I couldn't get there on my own, I just had to lay this life down and say, God, I, I can't be that dude. I can't be that guy. God, I need you to change something in me. And God made the good deposit in me and that's the Holy Spirit. God saved my life from a life that was lived for trying to be self-righteous and trying to live a good life. God doesn't desire good men, he desires godly men, amen? amen. So that's what he's saying in this parable. And I would say this, if self-righteousness is our pursuit, 
and trying to obtain absence of sin, what we're going to end up with is a frustrated sinner in a world that was just as lost when we started. See, the early believers, they didn't look inward, they looked outward. God empowered them to go and share the good news. So maybe you're here today and you're like me, I was so frustrated growing up in that I, I looked inward to see what I could fix when a reality says, just trust me to fix you and you just go out and do what I tell you to do, right? It's a beautiful combo of freedom on the inside, God's work on the outside. See, God's not looking at how good you are or how talented you are. He's looking at how obedient we are with the good deposit he's made in us. These are my sons. I don't know if y'all know. Do do y'all know Devin and Sebastian? I I adopted two sons about a year ago. They're 19 and 17. Um, They couldn't be here today. They're serving at our Vidalia campus. But uh, but it's been so fun to watch God um, change their life and just day by day continue to um, to renew them. And and, uh, they were actually two of the first uh, people I got to baptize. Isn't that cool? That's just a, a great memory for our family. But they love this verse, so I felt like I needed to share it. They swear they're gonna get it tattooed against their mother's wishes. Um, they're gonna get it tattooed on their heart. But Romans 5.8 says this. It says, but God demonstrates his, love, his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5.8, they love that. And the fact that while you've been out trying to live self-righteously or while we've been out sinning, God knew you before the beginning of time in Genesis 1-1 when he created the heavens and the earth, he had you in mind, right? He had good works in advance for you to do. See, God loves us exactly how we are, where we're at. And he wants to do a changing work in you exactly where you're at. That's the good news of the gospel. See, God made an outrageous investment in every one of us. How do I know that? Jesus Christ crucified on the cross. He sent his only begotten son to the cross to die a a death and to pay a payment that you and I could never pay to save us from a life of sin and death. That's an investment that he had no return on. Hear that. That's crazy, isn't it? He made the good investment in us and guess what? He doesn't need us. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. He's the designer and the author of all things. Nothing is out of his grasp. And yet he says, I love these people enough that I'm gonna send my son to, to die for them and save them. What an awesome investment he's made in you and I. See, the good investment's been made. It's the most radical investment the world's ever seen. That's why uh, 2.1 billion people still share and talk about the name of Jesus because of that investment 2,000 years ago and he entrusted that investment to 11 people. Awesome stuff. And now I I wanna finish with this and this is the most important uh, part of our time here today. How have you responded to that investment? So this kind of centers the room again. Okay, this kind of puts us all in the same basket. How have you responded to that investment? See, I believe this. Just like the first two guys, and let's, let's read it one more time. This is coming out of uh, verse 16 and 17. It says, the man who had received five talents, hear this, when he truly got it, okay, understand this. When he truly understand it, when the good investment became real in his life, when they understood the good news of the gospel, He took those five talents. God had given him five talents, okay? He took those talents and it says he went at once and he put his money to work and gained five more. So one of the things that I believe is a a, a telltale sign of salvation is people that really get it, they live with tremendous purpose after they get it, right? It says when he really saw it, when he understood the five talents that God had given him, he took the talents and he couldn't wait to get to work to multiply them. Also, we see the same thing with the guy with the two. He gets the two and immediately he runs off and he gets the work. 
See, I want you to think about that. See, a response to the master's return should always be gladness and excitement. So the second thing we can look at is this, is uh, how did these guys respond to the master's return? Verse 20, it says, the man who had received five talents uh, brought the other five and he said, master, all right? He calls the master's name. He recognizes them when he returns. Hear this, master, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. He couldn't wait for the master's return. I know for me, and I don't know if I'm speaking to myself or not, but I can remember uh, when, when people would start talking about eternity, it would be like hair would stand up on my neck. Like, I don't know about this. I don't, I don't know what this is. It was deep uncertainty. And the reality is God, God wants to get that thing nailed down. That every time we talk about eternity, guys, I believe it should drive the way we live and not get us nervous, okay? I believe that eternity should drive the way we live our lives out. What we do and how we do it. This is how we are to live. So I wanna ask this question. How excited are you for Christ's return? See, retirement is this, and I know in American culture, we think about retirement as the 30 years we put in at work and then it's time to enjoy. See, for the believer, real retirement begins with a heavenly well done, amen? So we don't stop the fight. Rather, when we understand the investment, we know that we've got a lifetime to invest it. And we don't know how long God's given us. I pray it's 70, 80, 90 years that I get to do this. But I know he's gifted every one of us in here and he's entrusted you with abilities to be lived for his glory, for his fame, for his honor. And if you've walked in today in whatever camp you're in, that's the purpose God has for you. I know it deep down in my heart. See, beforehand, I think I got, before Christ met me, I think I got everything I could have ever wanted in this life. I had great parents. I was very talented at sports. Uh, I got the dream job I wanted. I, I had everything I needed. And then when I finally gave Christ my life, it was so much better. I wouldn't go back for two seconds. It's so much better. Waking up with purpose and intent beats anything else. Understand that. That's the good news of the gospel. So ask again, how have you responded? And see, I believe this, whatever we do and whatever we leave behind determines who we are here. Hear that. Whatever we do with our time and what we leave behind is a good indicator. See, faithfulness with what we've been given by God always produces fruitfulness. Matthew, in an earlier chapter, it says that we will recognize believers by the fruit they bear, right? I believe that when we're faithful with what God has given us to do, it will generate fruitfulness. And now I wanna talk about the church as a whole. This is, uh, I don't know if y'all can tell or not. One, I love Jesus, but two, I love Connection Church as well. See, I was a lost 21-year-old that was a self-righteous dude, grew up in church and thought I had it all figured out. And then I walked in and um, in that blue building that it did look like drug deals could have went down uh, in there. Kind of a spooky place. I walked in and Brandon got up. And for the first time, I remember hearing the preacher and understanding like what he was saying. Like, it was almost like he was talking to me. And like I understood that, that being a Christian wasn't about so much of what I did, but it was about knowing Jesus and that Jesus would take care of the rest. For the first time, it, it began to change and mold and shape my heart. And it's been a wild ride since. If y'all, I'd love to tell you about it, I'd get a cup of coffee, but um, that's when I really got the gospel. So as a church, and so I love this church deeply and I love Brandon and I love uh, what God's done here and uh, just how um, it has helped shape my relationship with God. But uh, one thing is this, how, do we, how should we respond to this message as a church? 
One is this, that we know God's word and two, that we would spread the good news of the gospel, that we would take it forward. I believe God has gifted us to do that. See, think about this, guys. We wake up and we walk around in a world that's riddled with the cancer of sin. Hear that, think about it. I've got a father I just found out this past week diagnosed with an aggressive form of lymphoma. Y'all be praying for him, okay? And I thought about that, but the reality is, guys, we we wake up in a world that has a, a cancer, a cancer of sin and death. And see, when we come to know Christ, Christ puts the antidote in our hearts and our minds. Hear that. We have the good news of the gospel, the best news of a world that's dying and sick of sin, the best news they've ever heard. Wouldn't it be awful for us to keep that to ourselves? I believe God's called us to multiply it as a church. See, I believe that we're supposed to spread the good news. Also, hear this, to grow, to serve, and to care for his church. If you're not plugged in, find a place you can plug in and start serving in the church. And I want you to think about this. And, and, and I've been, like I said, I was a blue building original. I want you to think about, I want you to think about the influence and the talents God's given the church as a whole. You can't look around this building and not tell me that God's not at work. You can't tell me that what's going on here isn't something only a sovereign God could take credit for, right? All this is God's and he's given it to us. Just like these men, he's entrusted these talents to us. Because see, the church is not a building. The church is not the people singing. The church is not the person preaching. The church is the body, the people of Christ. Each and every one of you are the church. So hear this. The parable is to tell us this, is that he doesn't give us talents to indulge in and bury. He gives us talents to multiply. Hear that. There's people outside of these walls that are begging for the good news of the gospel. He's entrusted us with this influence, not to just come and simply enjoy it, but to multiply it, to go and invest it. I know there's someone in your life right now that you know you can invest the good news in to make the good deposit of the gospel. And lastly is this, I wanna speak to the individual in here. And like I said, I I, I know I'm I'm preaching to my 20-year-old self, so go ahead and get ready, okay? It says the gospel and complacency, okay, hear this. I believe that gospel and complacency cannot go hand in hand. I've been there. You know, I've been there where you wake up and uh, you're working a job to try and pay for a house that you're in only about seven, eight hours a day. You're driving a car that you only drive about two hours a day and you're working to pay these things off and that most of our investment are things that we're never gonna take with us. I've been there, okay? But I wanna share something personal with you today, okay? And I believe this. I believe that uh, living urgently and living for the gospel doesn't start with killing the sin in our life, but I believe it starts with asking the right question. See, about two years ago, my priorities in my life did not line up with my relationship with God. See, God clearly defines in his word what he wants us to do. God, husband or wife, family, others, our work and job. But see, here's the truth. Here's the the very brutal facts that I had to confront. You know how my life was shaped? Me, my wrestling program, my life, my wants, my rest when I got home. People serving me. People taking care of me. That's the brutal facts. That's just the brutal facts. And I had to wake up one morning and I I just came to grips with it, Carly, and I realized it was gonna cost me my marriage. It was gonna really cost me because I wasn't living life with the purpose God had given me. And so I'm gonna get real personal with you in that 
I had to reshift my priorities. And maybe some of you are here today and there's, that's just a reality. That this life, when you're done, that there ain't a whole lot you've multiplied. That maybe you haven't been in, done a good job being entrusted with the talents God's given you with the investment he's made in you. Because see, the great investment was Christ Jesus on the cross. So I want to read something with you real quick. About two years ago, I I just wrote down, I said some what if statements. Because the reality was that my relationship with God was not number one in my life. So I want to read these and I've yet to share this with a big group. But this is what, what I told myself. I don't live these resolutions out perfectly, but I know this is what God put on my heart to do. And so I would encourage you today, if you've found yourself in the place of complacency, this is the response. I said, what if? What if I spend more time in the word than I did watching TV? What if I spent more time praying than skimming Facebook and skimming the internet? What if I was devoted to a disciplined lifestyle, pursuing excellence in all areas of my life? What if I love my wife like Christ loves his church? What if I prayed with my family every night for the rest of my life? What if I started reading the Bible with my family every night? What if loving Christ and leading my family toward him was my number one goal? What if I was willing to give up everything for Christ? What if Christ was more important than winning wrestling matches? When I wrote this, I was a wrestling coach and I believe Toombs County is gonna win a state title this year if there's any wrestling fans. And I'm gonna be in the stands cheering them on. What if Christ was more important than having fun with my friends and leaving my family on the weekends? What if Christ was more fulfilling than an unhealthy diet? What if I prayed over my wrestlers and students for their salvation every day? What if I gave the Lord the glory in everything? Would he bless my efforts? Do I want what the Lord wants or do I want what I want? That's the reality, guys. That's the question we all have to face. And I finally got to a place in my life where I had to be honest and say, is is this life God's or is it yours? Because see, we're very comfortable with talking about going to church. We're very comfortable uh, talking about going to be around God. But the word that uh, really stirs us is the word surrender, okay? And the reality was I had come to a place in my life where I had not surrendered my life to Christ. I had not trusted that God's work was better than mine. I had not trusted that the life he had for me was not better than mine. So I wanna leave you with two questions here today as we talk about the parable of the talents. I want you to think about these two questions. Have I surrendered my life to Christ? And that's a reality because one thing I'll tell you is this, Jesus taught in parables, but the master has entrusted each and every one of you with something to do. Jesus has already went to the cross. He isn't doing it again. He's already made the good investment in you and he wants you to become the man and the woman he designed you to be, which is to bring glory to his name. And the crazy part is he's gonna fulfill you and find you a better life than the one you're living now. And so today I I wanna ask you, if you know that today's the day that God has calling you and you want to surrender your life to Christ, we wanna celebrate with you one. We've got a team ready to pray with you and we're so excited to do that. And there's no shame in it. I can remember the day I can remember when God began to burden my heart with the good news of the gospel. And I tell you what, I wouldn't go back and trade my former life for two seconds. So if today's the day that you know that God's calling you to trust him as Lord and Savior, would you just lift your hand? Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Is there anyone else?
Is there anyone else? Amen. Well, I think about it, and I don't know if you guys were here, but I was at Matthew's funeral the other day. I didn't know Matthew personally, but, but I do know this. I do know when I, when I breathe my last and I'm done, I pray that people say the same things about me at my funeral. Because that, that young man lived the gospel out. And when he came to the end of his days, I know his, his retirement began with a well done, good and faithful servant. Last question I'd ask as a church, God's made a good investment in us as a covenant community, as the body of Christ. I pray that today that we would go out and multiply that good investment that we would go and we would share the good news with a, with a world that's begging for it. And God has commissioned and given us the gifts and the talents to do it. And so I wanna thank you for letting me come and share today. And uh, I'm gonna pray us out and we're gonna get out of here. Let's pray. God, I love you so much. I thank you for this day. I thank you for the people in this room. Lord, I thank you for the saving work that is Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray that we would live uh, our time out with great intention, with uh, just great urgency, God, that we would uh, recognize the creator. God, we would recognize uh, the gifts you've entrusted us with. And God, we would take those gifts and we would go and multiply them to a world that's begging for the good news. Lord, we love you and we give you great praise and thanks. Uh, just help us to uh, do exactly what you've called us to do, Lord. I love you and I thank you for this people. For it's in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen.